Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Let's pray. Lord, as we have already confessed this morning, we are a needy people. We're a people so seducted through temptations, a people who often fail to follow you faithfully. We are a people that often act in our homes differently than we act in public. We are a people that are much weaker even than we understand. And so, Lord, as we hear your calling on our life today, we pray for your help through the Holy Spirit to obey your calling for our good and for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 4.19. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 8.22. Jesus says, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Matthew 9.9. As Jesus passes by, he sees a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, any guesses? Follow me. me. Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 19, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. John 1 says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. John 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 12, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. The command is clear, isn't it? Not only are we to believe unto Jesus, but we are to follow Jesus. Now I think for the people of that time when Jesus was walking the earth, when he came up to them and he said, follow me, I don't think that command was easy, but I think it was clear because Jesus was physical. He was tangible. To follow him meant to get up and actually follow him, like follow the leader. And so they would go wherever Jesus went. They would, they would see his miracles. They would hear his teachings. They would, they would do as he instructs them. They would follow him. But what does it mean for you and me today to follow Jesus? We don't see Jesus. Jesus isn't physically present for us to, to walk behind. What, do, what does it look like for you and me to follow Jesus in our workplace? 
What does it look like for you and me to follow Jesus in our home? What does it look like for you and me to follow Jesus in our community? Today we come to the final passage in this wonderful gospel of John. And we also come to the final week in this three-week series on what it means to follow Jesus. You know, when Jesus ministered on earth, again, follow me literally meant, get up, come, follow me. But what does it mean for us? The first week we focus on how we are to follow Jesus, and it's not an exhaustive list, but we learn from the first part of John chapter 21 that we are to fish for Jesus and with Jesus for the souls of men and women, that we're to flee to Jesus despite our sin, despite our shame, and we're to fellowship with Jesus for our joy and for his glory. Last week we asked the question of how do we re-follow Jesus when we fail, When we have a moral failure or when we become apathetic or when we walk away from the church, how do we re-follow Jesus? And we saw that the conditions for re-following Jesus are his 100% unceasing, unstoppable agape love for us. And we're to respond with love in return. The charge he gives to us when re-following him is to love what he loves. To love the church, to love his flock, to love his bride by caring for one another, by feeding one another the word of God. And we saw the cost of following Jesus. Jesus does not ask much from us. Jesus asks everything from us. Because he is Lord, because he is worthy, and because he is the good shepherd who can care for us better than we can care for ourselves. And so today we want to answer some final, very important questions about following Jesus. We want to answer the question of where are we to follow Jesus? How should we follow Jesus? In other words, what posture should we take when we're following Jesus? And why should we follow Jesus? Especially when it's so much easier to live life simply for ourselves. Why should we follow Jesus? If you would please open up to John chapter 21. Uh, We are actually going to start in verse 18 today, uh, recapping a little bit of last week. It's page 907 in the Red Bible, which you can find in the seat in front of you. Just by way of reminder, John chapter 21 is is the recording of the third appearance of Jesus after his resurrection to the apostles, as recorded in the Gospel of John. The first two appearances of Jesus happens in Jerusalem in a locked room, the first time uh, with, with most of the apostles, but not Thomas, and the second time with Thomas included. Uh, After those two appearances, the apostles go up to Galilee to wait for Jesus as is instructed. And they go out on the Sea of Galilee and they're fishing and they catch nothing. And someone shouts from the shore far away, put your net on the other side. And they catch this great number of fish and they recognize it's Jesus. So they flee to Jesus and they get to eat with Jesus. After this breakfast together... Jesus pulls Peter aside to restore him and to recommission him to care for Christ's flock. And then we get to today's passage. Again, an intimate conversation between Peter and the resurrected Jesus. So let's look together. John chapter 21, verse 18 through 25. Jesus says to Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. And he had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to the Lord, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has witnessed these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this gift of the gospel of John. It is so beautiful in its imagery, in its poetry, but it is most beautiful because of the truths that it communicates about our God and our Savior. Help us to follow you more closely today. In Jesus' name, amen. These are the three questions we want to look at today. Where must you follow Jesus? How must you follow Jesus? And why must you follow Jesus? First, where must you follow Jesus. We discussed this a little bit last week, but if you remember, before Jesus was betrayed in the garden, Jesus said to his apostles, he said, you will all fall away because of me this night. And Peter said, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then Peter promptly denies Jesus three times. But now as we look at verse 18, what we will see is by the strength of God and the grace of God and the plan of God, Jesus prophesies that Peter will indeed fulfill his pledge. That Peter will indeed die with Jesus and for Jesus and like Jesus. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he's saying to Peter, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, referring to a crucifixion. And another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. In this statement, Jesus is revealing a glimpse of the calling on Peter's life, of what it means for Peter to follow Jesus. In his younger days, Peter would live free. He could go wherever he wanted. He was unrestrained by the authorities over him. But there was coming a day, three decades later, where that freedom would be terminated. 
where he would be clothed with a crossbeam and he would be shackled to it and he would be led away and he would be attached to a cross with nails. Just like you and me, God had not only foreordained the day of Peter's death, but even the means of Peter's death for the glory of God. Now if you notice here, Jesus acknowledges that this death is a place where Peter, quote, does not want to go. In other words, Peter would not send out, would not, would not go out with the intention of being a martyr for Christ. He wasn't going out with the intention of suffering and dying for Jesus. But he was ready to do so. He was ready to do so as he faithfully followed Jesus. I think there's some important truths for us to understand with this, that we are not called to, to pursue suffering and pain and persecution as if we would gain brownie points with God. But when we or our children or our friends or our churchmen or churchwomen follow Jesus, we should not be surprised when there is suffering and pain and persecution. And when suffering and pain and persecution comes, we should not assume that it is outside of God's will or that it is not used for God's glory because Jesus tells us the exact opposite in this passage. That when we suffer, that when we are persecuted, that when we are martyred for our faith, it is the will of God for the glory of God. And so where was Jesus calling Peter to follow him. Jesus was calling Peter to follow him to the cross for the glory of God. And while Jesus throughout time has called many others to martyrdom for the faith, not everyone is called to follow Jesus in that way. The case in point here is the Apostle John. Verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? That's a long way of talking about the apostle John. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? John's calling was the same as Peter's and yours and mine in the sense that he was called to follow Jesus. But unlike Peter, the apostle John was not called to martyrdom. In fact, John would live a long life, not, not always a peaceful life, but he would live a long life. In 81 AD, underneath the persecution of Domitian, the Romans tried to boil John alive in oil, but he didn't die. And so they tried to poison him. And again, he didn't die. And so Domitian has this dilemma of how do you get rid of someone that you cannot kill? And so he banishes him to the island of Patmos. And there John is preserved by the Lord. Where the Lord gives John this great vision that's recorded in the book of Revelations. And is a gift to God's church. To show us the glorious future that is coming. But here's the point. 
While John and Peter and you and me have this same calling to follow Jesus, we also have unique callings in how we are to follow Jesus and where we are to follow Jesus too. We are called to follow Jesus in different ways, in different places, at different times, for different lengths of time, depending when he calls us home. But we're, go, we're to go wherever he calls us to be. Let me use this example. You know, whoever holds the position of U.S. president has the title commander-in-chief. And he is in charge of the military, whether that be Army or Navy or Marines or Coast Guard. And it is their calling to follow the directives of the commander-in-chief. They serve at the pleasure of the president. This is their common calling. But with that said, they serve in many unique ways. Some fulfill this calling by fighting on the front lines. Some fulfill this calling by being medics. Some fulfill this calling by fighting cyber terrorism behind a computer. Some of them fulfill this calling by cooking food. Some fulfill this calling by flying airplanes. Some of them fulfill this calling by being lawyers. Some of them fulfill this calling by cleaning bathrooms. But they're following the will of the commander-in-chief in these various ways, and they do so in various places. They do it in Hawaii, in South Korea, even in Baraboo, Wisconsin. The point is they all have this one calling to follow the direction of the commander-in-chief, but they all fulfill this command in various ways and in various places according to the wisdom of the commander-in-chief. We have a greater commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. And while we are all called to follow Jesus faithfully in accordance with the scripture, we are all called to follow Jesus in different places and in different ways for the glory of God. You know, some think that if you really want to follow Jesus, you have to become a pastor or you have to go overseas to to impoverish nations and, and tell them about Jesus and feed them. And if you really love Jesus and you really want to follow Jesus, that's what you have to go and do. But as a matter of fact, Jesus calls us to follow him where we are right now. Where you live, where you work, where you play is no mistake. You have been sovereignly placed there by a gracious God. And God has not only called you there, but he has called you there to be a follower of Jesus there. God has called you to follow Jesus in your apartment complex, in your school, in your job, in your family, in your marriage, in your community, in your church. We need businessmen for Jesus. We need salesmen for Jesus. We need factory workers for Jesus. We need plumbers for Jesus. We need teachers for Jesus. We need mommies for Jesus. We need grocers for Jesus. We need architects for Jesus. We need bus drivers for Jesus. So where must you follow Jesus? Wherever God has sovereignly placed you today. And wherever God is calling you in the future, no matter what the cost. So that's where we are to follow Jesus. The next question is, how must you follow Jesus? And again, this isn't a how, as in like, what are the specific things that I need to do? Rather, this is how, as in what posture should we take when we follow Jesus? Verse 18, again, 
Jesus says to Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And then this is one of the funniest verses in the entire Bible. Verse 21. When Peter saw him, that's John, he said to the Lord, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And so Jesus says to Peter, hey, guess what? You're going to follow me and you're going to suffer and you're going to die and you're going to be crucified. And Peter's response is, what about that guy? What's going to happen to him? And then Jesus gently and lovingly corrects Peter. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In the original Greek, this is an emphatic statement. You, me, follow is literally what it says. In other words, don't worry about what John is called to do. Worry what you are called to do and follow me. You see, Peter's big mistake in this situation is found at the beginning of verse 20. I don't know if you caught it. But after Jesus prophesies that Peter will be crucified, do you see what Peter does? Peter doesn't respond by saying, hey, whatever your will is, Lord, I will do this. Rather, Peter's first response to this calling from Christ to follow him is to turn aside, to look elsewhere. Look at verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Peter's big mistake after hearing his calling was taking his eyes off of Jesus and putting them on someone else, as if to say, Lord, it's not fair. What about John? Is John going to suffer like you told me I'm going to suffer? You know, I can relate to Peter, and I'm guessing you can too. This past week, someone, my neighbor was asking me about, about my job and, and what it's like to be a pastor and how things are going. And uh, if I had to if I had to, to illustrate what my job is like, I would use that scene from I Love Lucy, if you remember it, where she's working in the chocolate factory. <laughs> and Lucy loves chocolate, okay? And she's in the chocolate factory, and there is this, uh, this conveyor belt. And, and the boss says, if you miss any of these, you're fired. And so she's in there with her friend. Is it Ethel? Is that right? Okay, um, and so she's in there, and the chocolates are coming, and she's picking them up. She's wrapping them. No big problem, right? But, but then the chocolate starts to come faster and faster and faster, and you can probably imagine the scene in your head, but she starts bringing them to the side, off, trying to wrap them, put them back on as quickly as she can, and then the boss is coming, and so she starts stuffing them down her blouse and in her mouth and in her hat, and she puts it back on, and she's bursting with chocolate everywhere. You see, I, Lucy loves chocolate, she just wishes there wasn't so much to love, right? This is how I feel about my job. I honestly, I love everything I do as a pastor. I really do. Even walking into the hard situations of people's lives where they are hurting. I love being there and being the love of Christ for them. I love everything I do. I just wish that there, was, there wasn't so much to love. My wife probably says the same thing about me, but... 
I love everything. I just wish there wasn't so much to love. And so, so my typical week is a six-day work week. It's three or four nights a week. And, and what happens is I take my eyes off of Jesus and the calling that he has on my life. And I put on other people and I start to get angry. I start to get mad. I start to get jealous. I start to get bitter. I say, why can't I have a five-day work week? Why can't I be like those guys who work four tens a week? I would love to have that job. And so I'm like, I just want to quit and work a factory job. Even though that's not my calling in life. Because I get jealous. I get bitter because I take my eyes off of Jesus. Does that make sense? Can you relate? My, I, I know I'm not alone on this because one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Bob Smallman, he's now retired, but he pastored up in Merrill, Wisconsin. I love this story. And he pastored in this small country church up in Merrill, Wisconsin of about, I don't know, 150 people. And Bob had a brother who was a pastor of, of a mega church on the East Coast, a very influential pastor and a very influential church. And one time Bob said to his brother, he says, you know, Sometimes I wish I was you. Sometimes I had this huge, very influential ministry. And his brother responded, he goes, you know, that's funny. Because sometimes I wish I were you. Sometimes I wish I had this small town, simple little church ministry. You see, our propensity is to take our eyes off of Jesus and the calling that Jesus has for our life. And to look at someone else and says, say, I wish I was them. And then what happens? We grow bitter. We grow angry, right? One of my friends summarized it a long time ago this way. He said, comparison is the theft of joy. And I think that's what Jesus is communicating to Peter in this passage. Don't you worry about what I call John to do. You follow me. We could go around here and we could all share the challenges of following God's calling on our life. You know, there are, there are advantages to my job. Like I get all the communion bread I want anytime I want it, right? Like I just go in the kitchen. If, if my kid has something during the day, I can take a middle day, take off middle day, go do that. I mean, there, I get to go to bed in my own bed every night. Some of you don't get to. There are advantages but I so often focus on the challenges. You have challenges in following your calling as well. Some of you are called to follow Christ as a single person, and you don't want that. Some of you are called to follow Christ into a difficult marriage or a difficult job. Some of you are called to follow Christ in the midst of chronic suffering or poverty. And there is a temptation in those times to look at your brother and sister in Christ and say, only if I had their calling. If you're in an unhealthy situation, don't get me wrong, you should seek to remedy that situation, seek to be faithful in the various areas of your life. But in this passage, Jesus is telling Peter, and he is telling us, don't worry what I'm calling other people to do. You follow your calling and follow me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. I love in Luke 7, I mean, sometimes Jesus just comes at you with a baseball bat. In Luke 7, Jesus says this. He says, does a master thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. The Apostle John also has a baseball bat. 
And he says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. How's that going for you? Me too. He says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And he says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, in other words, if I have to die, if I have to give everything, I'm glad and rejoice. Where must we follow Jesus? Wherever Jesus had you and wherever Jesus is calling you, no matter what the cost is. But how must we follow Jesus with our eyes on Jesus and not on others? Serving our master joyfully, for we are unworthy servants of a glorious God. The final question, and maybe most important question, is why must we follow Jesus? And he actually gives us three reasons in this passage. Look at verse 22 with me. So says, Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers and that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? So somehow whatever Jesus said to Peter got misunderstood, mistranslated, Maybe the if got left off, and so people were saying that Jesus said, it is my will that he remains until I come. But notice John's attention to detail. John wants to make sure that the facts are communicated, which gives us encouragement in the reliability of the scriptures. And he says, that's not what Jesus said. Now with that said, what, what, what we don't want to miss here is there's a promise in this. A promise that Jesus is coming back. This is the first reason for following Jesus, because the person of Jesus is returning. That is, Jesus Christ is bodily, physically, tangibly coming back to complete his redemption. Do you remember the, the parable Jesus tells about the talents? He talks about a master who's going on a journey, and he gives his, his servants different amounts of talents. And two of them invest the talents and, and bring a Return back to him. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then there is a servant who took his talent and did not invest his talent, but buried his talent. And then when the master returns, he says, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Why must we follow Jesus and the mission that Jesus has called us to? Because Jesus is coming back. And we have to give an account for how we have invested the talents that God has given to us. Have we hoarded it to ourselves, Or have we shared it liberally for the sake of the extension of his kingdom and his glory? And so that's the first reason we must follow Jesus. The second reason is in verse 24. It says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things John's talking about himself and who has written these things and we know that his testimony is true. The second reason we must follow Jesus is because the stories of Jesus are real. See the gospel of John tells us a lot about Jesus. 
The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus is the Word made flesh, that he is God who has become a man, that he has power over creation, over demons, over disease, over sin, over death. That Jesus claimed to be the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him. John tells us that Jesus, this God-man, took our sin upon himself, paid for it, not in part, but in full upon the cross, and then rose again on the third day to give us eternal life. And that Jesus is now sitting in heaven, ruling and reigning over us, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. These are the claims that John makes, that he, that he takes from the life and the ministry of Jesus. And if these are not true, if these are just rumors, if these are just legends, then we should not be following Jesus. As a matter of fact, we should tell everyone, do not follow Jesus. It's all made up. But if these things are true, if you believe these things are true as recorded in the Gospel of John, the only logical response is to follow Jesus. It's to make Jesus Lord of every part of your life. The final reason we must follow Jesus is because the works of Jesus are rampant, meaning they're widespread, they are numerous, they are abundant, they are abounding. Verse 25. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. If I remember correctly, and I think I do, but I may not be. If I remember correctly, the Gospel of John uh, only records 19 days in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus ministered for three years. And so if you like percentages, uh, if John recorded everything Jesus did in those 19 days, which he didn't. But if he did, John recorded less than 2% of Jesus' teachings and Jesus' miracles and Jesus' Works, meaning that Jesus did many other things that were not recorded in the Gospel of John or in the other Gospels. But that's not all. You see, Jesus' glorious works not only ran rampant when Jesus was on earth, but they actually still run rampant today. Flip the page to Acts chapter 1. It's just one page over. It's the very next book of the Bible. Maybe it's the same page that you're on. In Acts chapter 1, it starts like this. It says, in the first book, he's talking about the Gospel of Luke. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus, what's the word? Began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Why in Acts chapter 1 does Luke refer back to his gospel and say, that's just what Jesus began to do? <laughs> it's because Jesus is still at work. Because Jesus is still active. As a matter of fact, this book is called the book of Acts because it is the acts of Jesus through his apostles to spread the good news of the gospel throughout the world. Jesus is still at work today from heaven by his Holy Spirit through his people why must you follow Jesus? Because Jesus is coming back. And because we will give an account of how we have used our talents for Jesus to build his kingdom. 
We must follow Jesus because what is recorded of Jesus is true, that he is Lord, that he is Savior, and that he is worthy. And we must follow Jesus because Jesus is still at work in us and through us for the redemption of this world. Let me end with this. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales. And as a result of this great revival, many people were called to follow Jesus to bring the gospel to northeast India. The region was known as Assam, and it was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. And to these hostile and aggressive communities came a group this group of missionaries with the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. As you can imagine, they were not welcome there. But they continued to go and share the good news of Jesus. And there was one man and one family that converted and gave their life to Christ. As a result, this man started to follow Jesus and share Jesus with the villagers around him. This angered the village chief and he summoned all the villagers. He then called that family who had trusted in Christ forward. And he called them to renounce their faith publicly or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, this man instantly composed a song, which you may be familiar with. And he started to sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Enraged by the refusal of this man to recant his faith in Jesus, he ordered that his children be shot with arrows. And as they lay on the ground twitching, the chief asks him again, will you deny your faith? You have lost both your children. You will lose your wife too. And the man continued, though no one joins me, still I will follow Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The chief was furious. And he ordered that the man's wife also be shot with arrows. And in a moment, she joined her children in death. And then the chief turned to the man. And he says, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. And in the face of death, the man continued the song saying, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. And immediately he was shot dead. But then a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killing was moved by the faith of this man and his family. He wondered, why should this man, his wife, and two children die for a man who lived in a faraway land on another continent some 2,000 years ago? There must be some remarkable power behind this family's faith. And then in an act of spontaneity, the chief says, I too belong to Jesus Christ. And when the crowd heard this from the mouth of the chief, many in the village trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior. Friends, let me ask you, have you decided to follow Jesus? 
then follow him wherever you are and wherever he calls you to be, no matter the cost. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Follow him, not with your eyes on someone else's calling, but on your Savior and on the calling that he has for you. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Then follow him knowing that he is coming back, that he is real, and that he is still at work in you and through you for the redemption of this world. Let's pray. Lord, the only reason we have decided to follow Jesus is because Jesus decided to come to earth through your will. Because Jesus had decided to come and save sinners to himself to reconcile us with the God we were created to love and to know. And so, God, we pray that you would help send us from here more boldly saying, I have decided to follow Jesus wherever I am and wherever you call me to be. I have decided to follow Jesus. Help us, Lord, to follow you more faithfully, again, for our good and for your glory. Lord, as we turn to the table, we're reminded that faithfully following the will of the Father brings persecution. It brings suffering, and it can even bring death. Because that's what happened when our Savior followed the will of the Father. And so, Lord, as we take these elements, as we hold them in our hands, let us be reminded that following you comes with great sacrifice, but it is sacrifice that is worth it because you are worthy, because you are holy, and because you love us always and forever. Remind us of this as we take these elements today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.